Welcome in, boys and girls, ladies and gents. It's your Thursday edition of the Full 10 Yards podcast as we get you set for week number 12 in the National Football League. And it's your regular Midlands takeover, it seems, these days on a Thursday night. So I welcome in, Lawrence. How are you, my friend? Fantastic. And looking forward to another stellar week and, and maybe a slightly less dramatic Thursday night football. I, I have no idea what you mean, mate, and um, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into that slightly because we've had some breaking news on that, and that's a nice segue to lead us into first down to catch you up on this week's news. First down. Yes, yeah, so, as we just mentioned there, the breaking news, just as we were about to come on air and record this podcast, is that the NFL have reached their decisions in terms of the appeals from the fallout of last Thursday night football's mass brawl between Miles Garrett and a number of the Pittsburgh Steelers and Cleveland Browns. Uh, as the dust settles, what we've got, we've got Larry Ogunjobi's one-game ban upheld. We've got Marquise Pouncey's three-game ban reduced to two games. And, of course, the big one of the lot is Miles Garrett's indefinite suspension. It does hold. Um, I'm a little bit surprised, personally, Lawrence, in as much as my understanding of the collective bargaining agreement indicated that an indefinite suspension wasn't something that the league could actually go with. That's the decision that they've come to. Me and Tim had a chat about this on Monday night. Just get your views on it, mate. I still... I'm. For, as a as a neutral to that game, I do think that that whole kind of the 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 helmet to the skull could have gone a lot worse. We could have been talking about a a, a really serious injury, albeit within the the red mist, and we don't quite know. Obviously, Miles Garrett's come out saying that this that something was said to him during the the melee that that caused him to do this, but. Me personally, I think this it is a bit of an unprecedented move in terms of what's happened. We've seen fist fights on the on the field where helmets have been flung away, but to have helmets used as a weapon, I think this is something that we we that there has to be a kind of a big example made of. Now, if the Browns the Browns legitimately do have a playoff shot, albeit a very very small one. Um, so I think they, they want to say, Miles Garrett, you're not going to be around for the 2019 season. So I think it would have been a sensible move to say, here's the, here's the total length of the suspension. So the indefinite thing just makes it a, that bit more kind of newsworthy. So I don't quite know why the NFL have done that. But it was, uh, it was something that I've never seen on a field before. It did deserve a, a long ban. I'm, I'm kind of with you, Sean, that I would have liked to have seen it have a definitive end date. Yeah, absolutely, mate. But um, that is the decision. So the Browns will be without, arguably, their best defender for the rest of this campaign. Uh, so the Browns need a bit of good news. And in what has been a relatively quiet news week, it's got to be said, in the NFL, um, David and Joku, the tight end for the Browns, and in terms of the New England Patriots, an offensive tackle, Isaiah Wynn, their former first-round pick, both of those individuals are being activated off their respective injured reserve lists. 
good news you would suggest here for both franchises, particularly for the Patriots, who obviously had struggles offensively, uh, and they're obviously high on Isaiah Wynn. Let's hope he can get on the field and actually start to produce. Uh, a release from your side, my friend, Noah Spence. I know he hasn't done a lot for you, but a second round, former second round pick. Uh, he's no longer with the Redskins. I know you're not overly concerned because of his lack of production, but these guys tend to get opportunities based on their draft status. So let's see where he ends up. Uh, a guy that's not likely to end up anywhere anytime soon is Mark Walton, officially now released from the Dolphins. Initially, was going to be suffering. Uh, going through a suspension for substance abuse. Allegations have now since come out that he's apparently punched a pregnant woman. I mean, if, if that is true, then, you know, I'm with you that Mars Garrett swinging a helmet deserves a long ban. But if, if this guy's punched a pregnant woman, then as far as I'm concerned, he doesn't deserve to play another down in the NFL. Uh, but unfortunately, there are plenty of examples of players of similar nature in the league. Um, you would like to see the league clamp down more on this type of stuff, in my opinion. Um, but that's a debate for another day. Final bit of news just to go through in, in terms of Pro Bowl voting, but I, I know that, Lawrence, you're excited to tell me about a couple of interesting names of individuals on the transaction list this week. Oh, I don't, I don't think a week can go past without us talking about some of these absolute classics. So the, the Steelers have signed from the Giants practice squad Tuzar Skipper. Twos are skipper. That's a nice one. Excellent. Um, there's one that we probably know about if you're a Patriots fan. Um, their wide receiver's gone on injured reserve, and that's Gunnar Ozluski. So Gunnar, for a guy who plays special teams, it's a bit like Chuck Long, the, the <laughs> former Lions quarterback. You know, you can't get much better than that. And, and I remember a, a linebacker on, um, called Stonebreaker back in the early 90s as well. So, you know, just just genius names. And then my final one, which I'm probably going to butcher, is the Bengals, who signed Freedom Akin Moladun. So someone with the first name Freedom. So we've got Tuzar, Gunner, and Freedom. It really does feel like this should be a poll. What, what do you reckon, Sean? Yeah, I think it's another weekly feature becoming of our podcast, isn't it? I, I, I love a good name in the NFL, and there's another few beauties there on this week's transaction report. So maybe we'll stick that up on socials, and uh, if we've missed any classics, let us know. Um, in terms of a poll, and it potentially is a poll, it, it, it tends to really, let's be honest, a little bit of a who's everybody's favourite player in the league as opposed to who is actually the best player in the league. But we've got some early numbers from Pro Bowl voting. And I'm sure you'll be delighted to know, Lawrence, that your repeated clicks for Lamar Jackson are doing the job. And he leads the fan vote currently ahead of Patrick Mahomes in second place and Russell Wilson in third. So I don't think there's any big surprise there in terms of Lamar Jackson. Um, but are you, are you a little bit surprised that he's actually leading the vote at this stage? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's because of the that kind of the whole kind of ESPN highlights age that we're in, where where you know when Lamar does a you know a thirty nine yard run or an ankle breaker, it's going to get played throughout the week on all of the American networks. So I think that plays an important part of it. Whereas if you're an actual true and and a knowledgeable fan, then you, you know Russell Wilson is far and away the best performing quarterback of the season. But 
the most exciting has been Lamar Jackson. So I think that's why that's leading to the votes. And um, credit also to Nick Bosa, who's um, the leader among defenders as a rookie. Personally, I've got a bit of a thing against having Pro Bowl voting come out so early. I know there's obviously logistics that the NFL has in terms of organising people's trips um, on holiday at the end of the season and all of this. But I think it's a bit of nonsense to do it now. And I think you should wait till at least week, week 13, week 14 to do this. So we know that the, the Pro Bowl voting goes up until December the 12th. And from November the 28th to December the 12th, um, anyone can actually vote directly on Twitter, which I don't know if that's been done before, but that's happening this year. So, you know, get involved, um, but try and, try and think, you know, based on what you've watched and, and not kind of who, you, as you say, who's the most popular player. Uh, it, it's all a bit of nonsense and I, and I take much more interest in the all-pro teams than I do in the Pro Bowl teams. Yeah, I think that's fair, mate. And and to be fair, you know, what I would say is if you are going to get involved on this in the uh, Twitter hashtags that are out there, give some love to some defenders, please. Nick Bosa, as Lawrence alluded to, is leading defensive players. He's got half the amount of votes of Lamar Jackson. You know, there's two sides to the ball and it's about time defenders got a little bit more love. So let's get some defensive players in the Pro Bowl, please. Um, and, just one... and, and. Go on, mate. Our Scottish punter as well. Oh, he's a shoo-in, my friend. Greatest punter to ever walk the earth. Um, in terms of the final bit of news, just to get you caught up on, if you have been in a man cave all week and didn't realise, the Kansas City Chiefs took care of business on Monday Night Football, defeating the LA Chargers down in Mexico. Um, quite a routine, straightforward victory, this one, and it moves the Chiefs back to 7-4 and four, uh, and still in a um, number one, well, not number one seed, but still in a division lead in terms of the playoffs. They move up to the third seed on the basis of a 7-4 and four record, um, and we'll keep you up to speed with the playoff picture, as we alluded to on Monday's podcast. That was week 11, and that's near enough in the book. So as we like to do on Thursday, we're going to now hand over to Tim in second down with the full 10 questions. Second down. Yes, it's quiz time, everyone. Can't keep me out of the podcast at the moment, can you? The third time of the week. But it's time for the full 10 questions. See how much you have all remembered from week 11. Today's contestant is a guy who hopefully by this time next week will be getting to go, uh, getting ready to go to his last uh, tailgate ahead of his um, final world record-breaking visit uh, of visiting every NFL stadium in the USA in 84 days. Of course, it's Jacob. Jacob, how are we doing, buddy? I suppose uh, you're in Houston right now getting ready for Thursday Night Football. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, just in Houston now for Thursday, and then we go to Cincinnati tomorrow, ready for Sunday, then LA on Monday, then Thanksgiving in Atlanta, and I'm done. Final oh. four. Is it um, is it exciting, or are you nervous? How, what's it kind of been like? Obviously, you only got a couple of games left now. Are you wanting to get it done? Not in obviously not in a get it out of the way kind of thing, but uh, you you're nervous that you've only got a couple of games left, or is it just kind of just fun, 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 fun? Yeah, it's, it's it's good. I'm a little bit sad that it's coming to an end, but at the same time, I think uh, 
my body's probably ready for me to be done with all the drinking and eating all the time. Yeah, time to grow up, Jacob. Time to grow up. Yeah, one day. One yeah, day. one day. No, don't. As, long, as, as far away as possible, mate. As far away as possible. Um, where, yeah. where were you? You were in. Uh, were you in Philadelphia last week? Yeah, on Sunday. I was in yes. Philly on the Sunday, mm. and then I was in Cleveland on the Thursday. Okay. Oh, yeah, you watched it. Yeah, brilliant. What was the uh, What was the Mason Rudolph stuff like in person? Yeah, it was a bit strange because a lot of people had left by that point as well because it was only eight seconds left, right? Oh, uh, yeah, true. Or 14 or something. So yeah. there wasn't loads of people in the stadium because the game was over. Yeah. And then I think quite a few people kind of missed in person what actually happened with Garrett and just saw Pouncey mm. kind of going off, punching and kicking him. So, <laughs> and they didn't, sh- they didn't show the replay. So it wasn't until you saw it on Twitter that mm. you kind of got the full picture of what happened. Mm. So it was a bit of a strange atmosphere, but... Everyone leaving the stadium, it did kind of feel like a loss, even though they'd won, because yeah. everyone kind of realised they've probably lost one of their best players for the season. Mm, absolutely, oh, yeah. So no doubt, when we uh, when you come back and we say we'll get you on and um, kind of go for a full a full podcast of uh, your 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 adventure I suppose around the uh, around the US of A but uh, that's maybe for maybe a week or two down the line so we'll I'll get all my questions ready for that and we'll uh, we'll deep dive into your into your adventures uh, over the last uh, what nearly 84 days now so um, yeah sounds good yeah okay well let's see um, obviously you watched a couple of games but we'll see how much uh, how much you knew from the whole of uh, week 11 so let me just uh, I'll just get my stopwatch out there ready give me two seconds okay. This might be tough because obviously being at the game. Yeah, as I say, yeah, I've not seen too many, but we'll see. Well, I've got I've got a Pittsburgh game uh, a question, and I've got a New England one, so you might get a couple. So we'll see. Okay, so I've got no excuses on those two. (laughs) (laughs) No, absolutely not. Right, okay, gonna count you in in three, two, and one. Question one: Name the Pittsburgh Steelers touchdown scorer from Thursday night football. <laughs> oh man, that's got me stumped already. It was oh, it, was... it wasn't Connor. It's was Samuel's. Mm, okay, question two: What was the lowest scoring game in Week Eleven? Ooh, was it the Steelers Browns game? Uh, is that your answer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it can't have been. I was at the Eagles game. That was lower scoring. Right. The Eagles game. Okay. How many touchdowns were there in the New York Jets and Washington game? Five or seven? Seven. Okay. Question four. Which game had the biggest winning margin? Uh, that Jets game? Yeah, that Jets game. Okay. Question five. Who scored the first... No, t- it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Who scored the first touchdown in the Detroit-Dallas game? Bo Scarborough. Question six. Which team scored the most points in week 11? The Ravens. Okay. Uh, question seven. What was the halftime score in the Denver-Minnesota game? 20 to nothing, Denver. Okay. Question eight. Which player scored Philadelphia's only touchdown against New England? It was... Zach, uh, no, Dallas got it. Question nine. Which stadium hosted the International Series game on Monday Night Football between Kansas City and the LA Chargers? Estadio Azteca, Mexico City. Okay, question at ten. Within 20, how many yards from scrimmage did Christian McCaffrey get versus Atlanta? Eighty-seven. 
Okay, I'll stop the clock there. Uh, um, we'll, cut it too good there. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll go. We'll go through them. So, question one: Pittsburgh Steelers at touchdown scorer Jalen Samuels is correct. Uh, question two: The lowest scoring game in Week Eleven was Sunday Night Football between the Bears and the Rams. Oh, yeah. um, question three: How many touchdowns in the New York Jets at Washington game? Seven is correct. I thought I might catch you out on that one. I thought, however, oh, well, I, I, re- I just remembered Darnold threw for four, so I felt five seemed unlikely. Right. That's the only thing I could remember from that game. Yeah, very well, very well. Not many people remember, remember anything from that game. So, uh, but yeah, well, well, well worked out. Uh, but it, game with the biggest winning margin was question four as Baltimore and Houston in that, yeah. blood, that bloodbath as well so um, not that one question five who scored the first touchdown in the Detroit Dallas game obviously Bo Scarborough was correct very early on uh, question six the most amount of points in week seven was the Buffalo Bills with 37 I believe I might go back and check that one but yeah I'm pretty sure it's didn't the Ravens score more than that oh hang on they might have done I might have just screwed up here Lee Lee Wakeford so <laughs> I'll go back and che- I'll, I'll go back and check that and verify that one uh, question 7 the half time score in the Denver Minnesota game I've got 23 nothing so I'm a- <laughs> well I just I know they were 20 nothing up at some point oh okay yeah that's yeah. all I that's the only thing I remembered from that game so I was yeah. like it might, it might, it might not be right. Yeah, I say I better go, uh, go and check these. I do write these down, but uh, there we go. Um, <laughs> Philadelphia, yeah, Dallas Goddard. So obviously, after a bit of a review in that one. Yeah. Uh, question nine: Stadio Azteca, of course, is correct. Managed okay, football in Mexico, and within twenty yards, Christian McCaffrey had one hundred ninety-one yards from scrimmage. Oh, there's no um, way. So, yeah, eighty's not just just a bit too far away, unfortunately, for that. But I make that one. I'll, I'll give you the I'll give you the Ravens one for question six. So we've got one, two. Three, four, five, six. Yeah, six out of ten in two minutes, okay. two. So not too bad. Not too bad at all. Not I will too, take that. Not too bad considering that you go to a couple of them and don't really have time to, to look at everything else. So Yeah, um, well, because the game I was at was a 4 p.m. game. Yeah, Eastern. yeah. So the reason I knew the Lions one was because they had it on at the tailgate, the oh, Lions-Cowboys game. Oh, nice. That's so nice. that was the reason I knew that one. But apart from that, I didn't really see the 1pm game. So I've just seen a lot of replays, basically. Well, I so, say, yeah, Jacob, we won't keep you too long because obviously you've got places to be and uh, word records to go and break. But uh, we'll, we'll certainly... <laughs> we'll certainly uh, Get in touch with you in a couple of weeks and, and get you on to talk about your your, your amazing journey uh, across the US of A. But so uh, yeah, you go enjoy the tailgate over at, uh, at Tex- uh, Texans. Uh, was it was it uh, First Reliance Stadium? Energy Reliance Stadium. Uh, NRG. NRG. NRG yes, yeah, I'm thinking of someone else. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's always good to talk to you, mate. And say so we'll we'll be in touch very soon and uh, to to relive your relive your your world record attempt. And obviously, best of luck. Hopefully, it still all goes well for you. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for having me on. Fun. That was Jacob cracking on with a quiz. Let's crack on with the podcast. So back over to you, Sean and Lawrence. Okay, thanks there to Tim. I think we're going to have to put him through the full 10 questions because I'm not sure whether he's actually got some of the correct answers himself there as the quiz master. So, Jacob, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, and it's certainly a 7 out of 10 from me and not a 6. But, Tim, me and you will have conversations at a later date. That will move us now on to third down as we start to look at your week 12 preview. Third down. Okay, similar to what we did on the Monday show, we're going to try and condense your non-televised games into third down and then we'll get into the juicy matchups that have been chosen for TV coverage a little later on in the podcast. 
So to start us off on the slate, it's myself with the Raiders and the Jets. So two teams here off the back of wins, the Jets defeating the Redskins last week and the Raiders grinding out a little bit of an ugly one against the Bengals. Would fully expect the Raiders, you would have assumed here, to continue their winning streak. Josh Jacobs has been producing some excellent work over the past few weeks, and Derek Carr has been as accurate as anybody has been so far this season in terms of throwing the football. The Jets have had a nice couple of weeks themselves, obviously, as I alluded to, defeating the Redskins last week and seem to have found that their mojo a little bit on defence. Uh, the ground game had been a little problematic for them, but in the last couple of weeks that has become a little bit better. Um, offensively for them, Sam Darnold probably had one of his best games as a pro last week. It'll be interesting to see how much of that was due to the level of competition last week and whether that will continue against a Raiders side that are, you know, probably continuing to surprise a lot of people as they, you know, cling on to wildcard aspirations. Uh, potentially, you know, if the Chiefs do slip up down the line, the Raiders could be nipping at their heels. And with the Chiefs on a bye this week, um, it's an opportunity for the Raiders to actually draw level in terms of record at seven and four. The team that are currently in the pole position for one of those wildcard places in the AFC, Lawrence, is the Buffalo Bills, and you've got their game next. Yeah, we've got the three and seven Broncos at the seven and three Bills. Bills at home in the cold should be a big advantage for them, but we know that the Broncos are also used to playing in the snow. Bills studs defensive end Jerry Hughes is questionable, and the the man that that lives forever, the man that after a nuclear holocaust there'll just be the um, the rats and Frank Gore still alive. He needs 46 yards to reach number three all time and top Barry Sanders. So, judging on his kind of current pace, it's probably going to take him two weeks to do it, but he could potentially do it um, on Sunday. The Bills wide receiver, John Brown, is coming off a, a big game. He's averaging just under 15 yards a catch, and he's on pace for over 1,300 yards. Broncos coach Vic Fangio is in no rush to unlock his rookie second-round pick at quarterback as one of the three Allen brothers, Brandon, remains there. And about the only thing to come out of the Broncos 2019 season is the absolute studliness of wide receiver Courtland Sutton. 16.4 yards a catch, and he leads the team in touchdowns. Bills to take this game, in my opinion, but not in style. I think it, it becomes a, a slightly unwatchable game that the Bills will take in the end. Yeah, I, w I would agree with that. And just a bit of a shout out, I'd agree with your praise there of Colin Sutton. He's, he's somebody that really has impressed me in recent weeks. Uh, he even got involved throwing the ball last week um, on a bit of a gimmick play. But he certainly stepped up as the number one in that offence, particularly since the Emmanuel Sanders trade. He really has put his best foot forward and seems to be a weapon that the Broncos can rely on. In terms of people that you can absolutely not rely on, that leads me very nicely on to Chicago and Mitch Trubisky. And quite possibly the worst news for Bear fans looking at the injury report is that Mitch, Mitch is actually probable for this game. Uh, they were potentially hoping that that injury that he picked up at the back end of last week's game may have kept him out. But it looks like he may well be good to go. 
Uh, he he's obviously going to go up then for against Daniel Jones, who continues to have a quietly impressive um, rookie season. I would say he's had 15 touchdown passes. He's obviously had too many takeaways, but you kind of accept that. And I would certainly suggest that the Giants have become a lot more watchable this season with Jones under centre. He's likely to be without one of his key men, though, this week. Evan Ingram, he's doubtful, yeah, the, the big tight end. He seems to be a player that suffers a little bit with injuries. There's a, that's a few games this season that he has been down for. So expect that Saquon Barkley will get heavily involved in this one. In terms of the Bears, the offence ranks 28th in the league in terms of points scored, and it is a very difficult watch. Um, the Sunday night football game was, I think Tim described it as worse than watching two coats of paint dry, and that was a fair example, if I'm being honest, of what we saw. Um, I think this game will be as interesting as what the Giants therefore make it. The strength of the Bears is obviously their defence. It'll be interesting to see if the Giants can get anything going because if the Giants can actually get a lead, this Bears team have proven that they're not very good at playing from behind. Um, so, interesting game to see what happens here. Uh, the season for both of them, let's be honest, is long gone with the Giants at 2-8 and eight and the Bears at 4-6. and six. In terms of a long gone season, the Cincinnati Bengals, can they actually get in the wing column, Lawrence, this week against the Steelers? No. Two-word answer. Two-letter answer, no. I mean, the fallout from, from Thursdays, uh, and it hasn't quite got a nickname yet, has it? I'm, I'm going to call it Helmet Headgate. Um, don't think that will quite take no, off. No, I'm not, but... I'm, not, I'm not sure that one's <laughs> going to catch on, mate. We'll think of something between now and the end of the yeah. pod. We'll, we'll, we'll give it a name and, that, and I hope the, the global media pick it up. Um, what, what, the reason I've kind of referenced that is obviously the, the knock-on effect See the centre, Marquise Pounce, he's suspended. Obviously, his suspension came down to two games, but he is starting that suspension. So that has a, a knock-on on the Steelers' offensive line. Mason Rudolph actually managed to escape any kind of suspension. Not that, he's, um, you know, not that his performance is anything to get excited about. I mean, he, he had an absolute torrid game before the before the kind of the incident last week with four interceptions. But he's likely to start again this week. Um, and it's, it's kind of, it, it feels wrong to say that the Steelers will move into a winning record if they win this game, considering kind of how badly they've, they've performed. But that's, that's the case. Steelers, unfortunately, are full of a, a lot of injuries. Tight end Nick Vanette's questionable, as is Deontay Johnson, who took that wicked hit to the head last week, as is Juju Smith-Schuster, who was part of a Cleveland Browns Subway sandwich, along with James Connor, who's also questionable. I mean, nobody really cares about this week's game, and I think everyone, including myself, as a, as a complete neutral, will be looking forward to next week's Browns-Steelers rematch. And, and as you said, Sean, you know, if the NFL really wanted to make something out of it, they'd, they'd flex it into a... Um, a bit more of an interesting time zone than it is now. Bengals are actually worse than the Bears in terms of offence. They're ranked 30th. And, and when you've got people like their not even superstar wide receiver, Tyler Boyd, moaning about the lack of targets, you know that there's, there's problems afoot. Rookie Ryan Finley, who I had a bit of a soft spot for, has thrown for just 283 yards in his two losing starts. Mercifully, 
the Bengals' last six games are all six o'clock Sunday kickoffs. Really, nothing to see here, so let's move on. Yeah, and probably not a lot to see this weekend at First Energy Stadium where the Dolphins visit the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Dolphins come into this one ranked 31st in points scored per game and 31st in points allowed per game at over 30. So, in theory, you would assume here a good opportunity for the Browns to continue the little bit of momentum that they've developed on the field despite the -the off-the-field stuff that's been going on this week. It'll be interesting to actually see who lines up on the defensive line for the Browns. Obviously losing both Garrett and Ogunjobi to suspension for this one, as well as Olivier Vernon, still doubtful um, at the other defensive end position. So likely to be down three of the four starters from the defensive line. Thankfully, the Dolphins' offensive line is a little bit of a rotating door. So fingers crossed the guys that step in as backups will still be able to get home. Alluded to it earlier on, David Njoku activated. Be interesting to see if he lines up. Um, and the Browns have got quite a sort of um, nice little bevy of options all of a sudden in terms of tight end and running back position uh, with Kareem Hunt back from suspension a couple of weeks ago. And since he has returned, it really has transformed this offense. Him and Nick Chubb lining up together in the backfield has been excellent when it's happened. And the Browns' improvement can really be tracked back to Baker Mayfield, who has limited the turnovers. He's only thrown one interception in the last four weeks, having thrown one in every game up to that point. Um, Fully expect the Browns to continue forward momentum in this one. As for the Dolphins, a couple of things just to note. Uh, Fitzmagic is questionable, although I'd fully expect him to go. Um, And it will be interesting to see if they can get any sort of production from the running game. As we alluded to earlier, um, Mark Walton has been released. So I'm assuming that they will be leaning on, um, is it Balage? Is that how it's pronounced, mate? You're normally good with names? Yeah, Kalen Balage. Yeah. Kalen Balage. So if the Browns are short on the defensive line, let's see if the Dolphins have an opportunity to exploit that. Uh, next game on the docky, mate, could be a high scoring one the Bucks and the Falcons. Yeah, I mean, I've got this as no playoff implications, but plenty of Pro Bowl votes coming the way of the, the Bucks duo of wide receivers, which I, I think are, I think we all know, are pretty outstanding. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. If you crunch their numbers together, 187 targets, 121 catches. 1,880 yards and 14 touchdowns split absolutely down the middle, seven touchdowns each. They are overperforming. Underperforming is the tight end OJ Howard, who really has failed to shine. He was supposed to have a big breakout season. He actually leads the league in drop rate, which is um, pretty disappointing. But I think this is possibly to do with his pre-game ritual of eating a king-size butterfinger. <laughs> I, 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 I never know if you're taking the mickey or not. <laughs> oh, I just wanted to see the reaction there. Um, fantastic. Um, the Falcons, which is its just... I, I can't put my finger on why this is happening, but they decided to wait until week 10 to show up this season. And now they've got a, a defence that I've certainly picked up in a, in a number of fantasy leagues that's, um, that's, you know, they're suddenly kind of worthy of, of playing and they're, 
They're getting interceptions. They're getting sacks all over the place. Vic Beasley's finally woken up. I don't know what's kind of caused that sudden, you know, the the switch to come on, but it boy has it come on. And they've they've only allowed twelve points in the in the last two games, which is stunning considering what they were conceding earlier on in the season. I think their biggest problem is their from the Falcons' perspective is their run game, thirtieth in the league, and they've yet to actually have a, a hundred yard back in the season. I do expect the Buccaneers to buck the trend and get a few touchdowns this week. But I think the Falcons are going to win it in style. And um, Matty Ice to have his eighth 300-plus yard passing game of the season. Yeah, it could be a high score. It could be one that plenty of people playing DraftKings look to that matchup to find <laughs> some of their spots with. Uh, next game is another one in the NFC South, and that's the Panthers and the Saints. Uh, Panthers gone off the rails a little bit, haven't they? Let's be honest. Um, Kyle Allen, you know, started off very well, but in the last few weeks has looked distinctly average. Tossed four interceptions last week, and despite the continued brilliance of Christian McCaffrey, um, the Panthers have been going backwards. As for the Saints, they rebounded after their disappointing loss to the Falcons the week prior to take care of the Buccaneers. And Michael Thomas continues to look like the best receiver in the league, in my opinion. Uh, he is well and truly on pace to smash the single-season reception uh, record. So look for the Saints to feed him the ball. Plenty of occasions here. Um, obviously, this one will probably be built up as Alvin Kamara versus Christian McCaffrey. And in terms of Alvin Kamara, he's been looking a lot more like himself in the last couple of weeks, particularly last week when he got heavily involved in terms of catching the ball out of the backfield. Um, he had 10 receptions last week in that victory that I was alluding to. Uh, Saints sitting currently at 7-3, and three, so you would assume here that a win for them completely gets rid of any sort of hopes that Carolina would have of making the playoffs sitting at 5-5 five and five currently. Um, so a big game for the Saints in that regard and one I would expect them to take care of business in. Final game before we move into the big juicy TV matchups, Lawrence, is your Redskins hosting the Lions? Yeah. Two delightful divisional cellar dwellers. And I've got to say, I feel more sorry for the Lions fans than I do for the Redskins fans this season. If we look at the Lions' last seven games, they've lost six out of the last seven, but they've lost them by in, in this order, by six, by one, by 12, by seven, by seven, and by eight. So that's five games that they've lost by eight points or under which has got to be heartbreaking so got to feel sorry for them and I think for anyone anyone who's um, a Lions fan to be looking forward to a backfield of Jeff Driscoll throwing the ball and Bo Scarborough running the ball when you considering at the start of the season you had <coughs> Matthew Stafford and on Johnson who was supposed to have a a huge breakout season. I think it's 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 a it's a sorry state of affairs, and the likes of Kenny Golladay, who was on target for a for a pretty special season. Unfortunately, he's been a bit of a victim of what's around him. For the Redskins, yes, I think you know if anyone who listened to the pod on Monday, 
uh, were treated to three versions of celebration um, as I was and I thought that was that was fantastic of, of Tim to to get that sting out yes the Redskins did finally manage to get a couple of touchdowns and what made it even sweeter was the fact that it was second year running back Darius Geis who caught the the big long touchdown um, and I want a bit of a on a bit of a screen pass we don't quite know what's going to happen with the Redskins for the rest of the season but I think it's great that we get to see a bit of Darius Geis in the last six weeks we've seen a lot of Dwayne Haskins and it kind of, let's just hope that Dwayne Haskins is doing a, a Troy Aikman. So if we go, if we go back, a, back in time, Troy Aikman's first season, I'm pretty confident that the Cowboys went 1-15 and 15 in that season. So I'm happy for the Redskins to go 1-15 and 15 and then turn into a dynasty as the Dallas Cowboys did. But I'm kind of waiting to see where the other pieces fall into place. So we don't know. Really, this is only a, a game for the fans that either support the Lions or the Redskins and, and good luck to either of you. Unfortunately, I will be watching and I don't expect the Redskins to win. I expect the Lions to, to get a, a victory here because our, our, the Redskins' past defence is, is atrocious. Glutton for punishment, my friend. But just remember, if the Redskins do get into the end zone, expect plenty of this on Monday's podcast. Woo-hoo! Come on, the skins. Right, they're your quote-unquote less important games. It depends, obviously, on your allegiances. Every game's important, but as we move to fourth down, we'll get into the TV games. Fourth down! Okay, my favourite little part of the pod when we preview Thursday night football. I like it because, let's face it, a number of you will probably be listening to this on Friday. So we'll be sitting there thinking these guys have not got a clue what they are on about. But Lawrence, you've got the honour this week. Look into your crystal ball, mate, and tell me what's going to happen between the Colts and the Texans. It's going to be a good game. It's definitely going to be a good game. I'm, I'm sticking my neck out that we are going to get more than 28 total points um, as we did last week and no triple ejections, one hopes. We've got huge playoff implications in this game. Colts and Texans, both at six and four in the AFC South, both right there. And, and this, is, this is the time of the season where you need to put that, that winning run together, where you need to get that streak of games. You need you know, a three, four game win streak and you go hot into the playoffs. So this is a huge game for both teams. We've got Deshaun Watson, who's come off a dreadful week against the Ravens. And we've got the Colts, who came off a, a, rather, a rather kind of big and comprehensive win against the Jaguars. The, the teams did both play only, only a few weeks ago in Week 7. And that was a Colts victory, 30-22. And Jacoby Brissett had his best passing game of the season, 326 yards in the air. And the Colts, at the moment, as it stands, are undefeated in divisional games. They're 3-0. and Unfortunately for the Colts, we've got running back Marlon Mack injured. He was leading the team with 862 yards on the ground. He had another 100-yard game last week before going off injured. And then we've got a bit of a mess in, in terms of the backup. So if you're trying to replace Marlon Mack with, you know, with, a, with one of his backups, I probably wouldn't go there this week in terms of fantasy. 
you've got Jordan Wilkins, Jonathan Williams, and pass catching specialist Naeem Hines. And we don't quite know who's going to get the ball this week. But they, they've got some quality and they've got a bit of depth. So I think that that does lead to points. Jacoby Brissett had a pretty relaxed week last week, handing the ball off 34 times, carried it himself a couple of times. And the Colts had a, an absolute monster game on the ground. Um, they could have done with, um, with some T.Y. Hilton love. He's a, he's a game-time decision. I think the coaches have said that they will trot him out onto the field before the game and see how he goes before they actually plug him in. Um, aside from that, the Colts' actual receiving leader at this stage is, Sean, any guesses who leads the Colts in receiving? Zach Pascal. Oh, you are a genius. Yep, 364 yards for, for Zach Pascal. Um, Second-year linebacker Darius Leonard leads the team in tackles and interceptions, and he's third on sacks. So since he's come back from injury, he is doing what he did as a rookie. He's all over the field. I think Deshaun Watson for the Texans is absolutely desperate for a bounce-back game following last week. Nuke Hopkins is just about, I think, with a big game um, tonight, he could edge over 10 yards a catch. He's currently standing at 9.9 a catch, which is a bit odd considering he's supposed to be one of the top three receivers in the league. And the, the person that's actually leading the team for the Texans in touchdowns is tight end Darren Fells with six. And in fact, the tight ends get quite a lot of love in the Houston offense. They're catching 44% of the touchdowns. <coughs> I think this game could go either way, but I'll stick my neck out and call it Texans by one. Oh, Texans by one. Yeah, it's certainly going to be a close one, isn't it? You know, like you said, the, the game previously ended up as a one-possession ball game. I, I like both of these franchises. I think ultimately both probably end up making the playoffs. Obviously, it's just going to be a case of which one comes out as a wild-card team. But I can certainly see both of them getting into January. Interestingly, I suppose they could actually face each other in the first round of the playoffs. Um, obviously dependent on where they end up from a seeding perspective. Um, but certainly a good game for anybody that is staying up tonight to watch it. Um, just to be different, mate, I'll take the Colts by, by, a, by a field goal. So there you go. Fair play, right. fair play. Right, let's get into Sunday's TV games and Sky's offering this week. Firstly, a tasty little matchup for yourself, Lawrence, the Seahawks and the Eagles. Yeah, another good one. I think at the start of the season, this was probably looked at as, as two teams that would have had um, winning records, but probably the Eagles having a better record than the Seahawks. As it is, we're going into this game with the Seahawks at 8-2 and two, and the Eagles at 5-5. Five and five. The Eagles have won two of their last five and the Seahawks are in a lot hotter position. They've won their last three and the Seahawks actually lead this series overall 9-7 and have won the last four dating back to 2011 and only one of their last five matchups together has actually been played in Philadelphia so it seems to be this this is a it's going to be an interesting one it's it's not a regular game that's played so it should be fun Russell Wilson is having we, we all know he's having a remarkable season just just to kind of say 
in his 327 attempts, only two interceptions, which is, is I, I still think it's remarkable how you get these quarterbacks that, that, that are that accurate and make that few mistakes. So, you know, it's still, it's still kind of, it still amazes me. So two interceptions after, after 10 games, pretty phenomenal. And Wilson's averaging just under 300 yards passing a game. Um, I've got to say, I've got another, um, and, and Sean, you'll be slightly disturbed to hear, I've got another man crush. And, it, can't, and it, can't, this, it can't be as big as your Lamar Jackson one. It's not as big, no, but this, this, is, a, this is a bit of love for, and let, let's see if you know who this is, Decalion Zacharias. <laughs> I've got no idea who he is, but you surely just love him because of his name. No, it's Decalion Zacharias Metcalf. Oh. It's Mr. DK Metcalf. Very good. Who is averaging 17 yards a catch. He's got five touchdowns and his 595 yards and five scores are both leading the league um, for all wide receiver rookies. And he's only just 21. He's coming up 22 in December. The guy is built like a mutant superhero. And I think he's got an absolutely huge future ahead of him. And he fell to the second round due to concerns about A, a neck injury, and B, unrefined route running. So let's just say, what do we know? What do scouts know? I think DK Metcalf is going to be an absolute beast as we go forward. What, what do you think, Sean? Have you, have you got some love for, for Decalion Zacharias? Yeah, I think you know, he's obviously a physical mismatch, isn't he? You know, let's face it, you, you would look at him, you you would imagine him to be more of a tight end than a wide receiver. Um, but, you know, with that being said, he's got plenty of pace. Um, I've seen some of his route running and, you know, to be honest, he, he runs, you know, fairly decent routes, I would suggest. Um, yes, he's used a lot in the vertical concepts, which you would expect for a guy with his size on the perimeter, particularly when he's going to be lined up against cornerbacks that are going to be, obviously, you know, in some cases, as much as 50, 60 pounds lighter than him and, and certainly four or five inches shorter than him. It would make sense to utilise him in that capacity. But, uh, you know, I've been impressed by him. Wide receivers generally a position that, you know, outside of that one sort of freak draft class in, what, 2012, when there seemed to be superstar after superstar that came out of it, it's a position that tends to take two or three years until you start seeing the best of somebody. So he's off to a great start. He's obviously got a brilliant quarterback um, playing with him. And, you know, he's a different guy in terms of his size and stature. He's almost the complete opposite. But you look at Tyler Lockett, he's a, he's a receiver that's been, what, two or three years now in that system. And he's developed into, you know, arguably one of the most exciting wide receivers in the league. Um, you know, so I think the sky's the limit for DK Metcalf. And, and certainly now I know his name, Lawrence. It's always an education with you on a Thursday night, my friend. I will certainly I'll be try paying, my best. I'll try my best. I will be paying even more attention now, mate. Fantastic. Um, for the Eagles, as I said, it's been a really frustrating watch this season for any Eagles fans. You know, not not too far away from that that amazing Super Bowl victory, and and they're hanging in there, and they're only one game behind in the NFC East, and that's partly because the sea, partly because the Cowboys have also kind of failed to live up to their preseason billing at, at six and four. So this this NFC East could flip flop all the way to Week Seventeen. Um, the game against the Eagles game against the Patriots last week was, um, it, you know, it was kind of the a personification of the, their season so far. They 
they, they kind of rev up to a, a 10 nil start, but then they have a complete flat tyre of a, of a second-half performance. So we, we really kind of don't know what's happening. with You know, Carson Wentz is just not looking brilliant. And it's, it's an opportunity for him. There's going to be a lot of people watching this game. It's a big opportunity for Wentz to, to turn his season around, to put the Eagles into a winning record. But I, I can't really see it happening. Um, and, you know, for the, for the Eagles, they've got the, the Dolphins, the Giants and the Redskins coming up after this week. So they, they could get onto a, a, you know, a nice little win streak here. But it's a, it's a coin toss between the, the Redskins and the Eagles, who actually has the worst set of receivers in the league. I don't, I don't think they're between the two of them. They're, they're just abysmal. So I think the Seahawks can, can overturn the 49ers in the, in the division within a couple of weeks. And, and I think the Seahawks can, they've got the opportunity in this game, which I think they're going to win, to elevate themselves into the NFC favourites. Kind of like a bit like of what the Ravens have done. They've sort of snuck up on people in the last two, three weeks. I don't think the Seahawks are slightly completely snuck up on people, but I think they can they can take that division, and I think they can put the 49ers a little bit into the shadow within the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes, mate. I think you know, like you say, the Seahawks for me would be the favourites in this game as well. I think the Eagles. It's a huge game for them with those three coming up, like you say, because I, I said right at the start of the season. They and the Cowboys were going to be nip and tuck and back and forth. And that leads us on to the Cowboys, who unsurprisingly are in the late sky window. The late games aren't great this week, so this was always going to be the selection of sky. And it's the Cowboys at the Patriots. Uh, Tim's going to love me for this one. I'm calling this a Cowboys victory. Something you don't see very often on the road, but I'm calling it now. I think the ground game is going to feast, and I don't think it'll just be Zeke. I think Tony Pollard potentially has a nice day in this one as well. And the Patriots took out of business last week, as you just alluded to there, mate, against the Eagles. Well, they did that short of an Eagles that had any sort of resemblance of a running game. And if you were going to beat this Patriots team, run the ball and run it some more down their throats. And I think that's the game plan for the Cowboys in this one. I think that then opens up play-action passing for Dak Prescott, who has looked, let's be honest, probably the best quarterback in the league over the last three weeks. I'm not saying he's the league's best, but certainly over the last three weeks, he's been performing that way. He's been on a phenomenal stretch of form and I can see him getting opportunities to get the likes of Michael Gallup and certainly Amari Cooper involved here in some play-action passing. The Patriots' offence has been a big concern of mine all year. You know, we, we kind of alluded at the start of the season about how weak the schedule looked in hindsight. Um, and although I'm still confident that the Patriots ultimately get to the postseason and they will still make no question about it, in my opinion, be the team to beat once they get there because of the fact they've been there, done it and worn several T-shirts. Um, I just don't think in this one I trust them enough to actually get enough points on the board. Um, the The sort of formula, if you like, for the Patriots is going to have to be get plenty of production from their running backs, not you know, not necessarily on the ground, but you would think in terms of getting them involved out of the backfield, just because of the real lack of options that they have got at wide receiver. 
the uh, Mohamed Sanu trade, I mentioned this on Monday, doesn't really see it to, seem to be bearing any signs of fruit for them. Um, and then Keel Harry, who has now finally been activated off IR there, rookie first-round receiver. As we just alluded to in the DK Metcalf conversation, you can't expect miracles out of him that's going to all of a sudden turn a struggling offensive side of the ball around. Isaiah Wing coming back, as we alluded to in the news, potentially shows up the offensive line. So maybe with Brady getting a little bit more protection, uh, things could open up a little bit. But they're crying out for you know a tight end to replace Gronkowski. It's not happened. They're crying out for more help at wide receiver, and they're not sh- they're not afraid to admit it. The defense has been the dominant force, but it's really been in terms of you know forcing interceptions. Those interceptions in a probably alarmingly high rate have been returned for touchdowns. If the Cowboys can limit the mistakes through the air pound the rock on the ground, like I say, not just with Zeke, but with Pollard as well. That bit of a two-headed monster approach. I think the Cowboys can go on the road here and get a really big win in the uh, in the race for that uh, NFC East division. You're looking at me aghast, Lawrence. Do you think I'm completely off the mark or, or do you think um, the Cowboys have got a chance here as well? I think they've definitely got a chance. I'm not convinced they're going to win. I think they do have a chance. You're, you're spot on with the with the running game. I actually picked up Tony Pollard in the in the full ten fantasy league this week. Not sure I'm starting him. I might have to, depending on my running back situation. But this that is their Achilles heel, um, in no doubt. Dak Prescott, interesting. He actually leads the league in passing with three thousand two hundred and twenty one yards. So we we know that he's you know. As, as well as the Cowboys getting the, the getting business done on the grounds, he can pass the ball as well. So I can see it being close, but you know it's it's the thing about the about Sith Lord Belichick. I just I can't see him losing now. And this is that this is that part of the season where it's just it's kind of the muscle memory and just kind of that that psychological beating that they take in the in the in the training rooms and in the in the classroom that just gets to play out. And that's, that's what separates the Patriots from kind of mortal teams. So unfortunately I'll, I'll, I'll respectfully disagree with you and I'll go for a Patriots win here again, close, but I think we'll, we'll, we'll see how this one plays out. Yep. Fair dues, mate. Big one, Sunday night football, Packers 49ers, take us away. Well, we've got two teams that are leading their divisions, which makes it exciting. Packers 8 and 2, 49ers 9 and 1, and for once a completely worthy Monday night football matchup. And it's one that I might actually stay up for as well, because I I love I love a bit of the tradition of this game, this matchup. It it takes me back to a sort of time. There's there's quite a classic, it's probably one of the top NFL 100 photographs of all time, where at the end of a game you've got Brett Favre and Steve Young having a kind of a bit of a man hug on the on, on kind of in the middle of the field, and it kind of takes me back to that that sort of time when you had the kind of the whole sort of gunslinging thing. It's different with with these two offenses. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers knows how to how to pass the ball, and he's a complete wizard. Jimmy Garoppolo, a little bit more of a game manager, but he's proved he can have breakout games. He's had four touchdown passes recently. This is a, a series that's got quite a lot of quite a lot of a rich history. Packers lead the series overall. 
36, 30 and 1. And the Packers have actually won the last two games that they've played in 2015 and 2018. And they've met seven times in the playoffs. And the last time they actually met in the playoffs was a 2012 season divisional game where a little-known quarterback by the name of Colin Kaepernick led the 49ers to 45 points in a 14-point in a win. And that was when they were en route to their last Super Bowl appearance. So it's, it's a real kind of rich, rich with history game, rich with tradition. So I'm really looking forward to this. We've got the Packers who've had a, a, a bye week. So they've had a chance to rest and recuperate from any kind of minor knocks and injuries. They've won five out of their last six, which includes impressive wins over the Cowboys, the Raiders and the Chiefs. So they know how to, you know, they know how to win in, in, you know, against difficult opponents. They've really missed um, star receiver um, Devontae Adams. And this has not stopped A-Rod, who, like Russell Wilson, has actually only tossed two interceptions this season. So to have two megastar quarterbacks with two interceptions, again, very impressive in my eyes. Packers running back Aaron Jones actually leads the NFL in touchdowns. 11 on the ground, three in the air. So 14 in total. But he's facing a tough 49ers defence who um, they did have a bit of a scare against the Cardinals last week, but then kind of managed to pull it out in the, in the last couple of minutes. But it was pretty close. So I think they'll be looking to, to really kind of bite down and, and hopefully get Aaron Jones out of his comfort zone early on. Real fun game for me. I think it's going to take a while to develop. I don't think we're going to see a lot of fireworks in the first, second quarter. But I think it's going to explode in the second half. I've got the Packers here to cause a mild upset behind a combination of Aaron Jones and a, and a really underrated um, backup running back, Jamal Williams. So I can see Jamal Williams featuring late on when they're trying to, to run. And Aaron Jones has kind of uh, had his full. So I've got here 26-24 to the Packers. Yeah, I think that's fair, mate. I think the Packers are certainly a hot team. I think the 49ers, me and you, are probably more convinced on them than what Tim has been for a while now, let's be honest. But Well, I'm hoping for my lovely, lovely sandwich. So. Yeah, I think, I think you can probably start tasting that, mate. I think that's pretty safe. Um, but I think the, um, the Packers are certainly going to be probably the best level of competition that the 49ers have come up against for several weeks now. Um, obviously, they had the big ding-dong with the Seahawks on Monday Night Football, which was a great game. This one's got the potential to be just as good. So, like you say, a good late-night one to stay up for. Uh in the interest of time, as we're running towards the end of the pod and I can see the referees approaching us very rapidly, we'll just touch on the final game of the week, Monday Night Football, Ravens and Rams. I think it's a game that the Ravens will ultimately take care of business. The Rams have been highly disappointing this year and aren't getting a great deal done um, on the offensive side of the ball, certainly. Bit of a bounce-back game for Todd Gurley last week, so it'll be interesting to see if they keep him going. But a bit of a Marcus Peters revenge game here. He has looked phenomenal, it's got to be said, since he was traded from the Rams to the Ravens. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes and whether Lamar Jackson can keep the train rolling. We'll probably touch more on that on Monday's podcast. But as I said, Lawrence, the referees are making the way onto the field. So we best think about getting out of here for the two-minute warning. That's the two-minute warning.
Yeah, so, like I said, Lawrence, we best be getting out of here. But before we do, as always, let's just bring everybody up to speed with what's going on over at full10yards.com. Uh, as usual, you will get your regular content in your ears and in front of your eyes for your reading pleasure. So look out for this week's look-aheads in written format that Tim has kindly produced for us. They will be up on the website now, um, so go and check those out. Fancy podcast return this week, um, so go and check that out for all of your latest starts and sits advice as we move into week 12 from a fancy football perspective, getting very close now to confirming playoff places if you're still playing along. Uh, college football podcast was dropped on Tuesday. Go and give Lee and Maxwell a listen. Really good podcast from the boys this week. And as usual, with the weekend's action hot on our heels, look at the social media for all of our content across the weekend. And it will loop back around to me and you, Lawrence, who are going to be in the driving seats again for the pod next week as Tim is moving house. So good luck, mate, in terms of that move. Hope all goes well. And fingers crossed we don't lose all of the full 10 yards listeners over the course (laughs) of the next week, Lawrence. I'm sure we'll be doing just fine. With that being said, it's time to bring this week's pod to a close. So it's goodbye from Lawrence. Um, just one little quick note. Don't forget when you're going to the supermarket this weekend to stock up on your cranberry sauce because we've got Thanksgiving three games next Thursday. So get yourself prepared. Don't forget this kicks off at half five next Thursday to get that cranberry sauce ready. But goodbye from me for this week. Cheers, Paul. Be interesting to see what we do next Thursday. Maybe even do a live podcast during one of the games or something. But we'll have a chat about that in the week. So in the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards. Or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com.